Welcome to the No Sitting on the Sideline Dad podcast, a podcast about a journey of discovery and conversations about not sitting on the sideline of life. Let's get involved. Here's host Joe Foley. Hey, on the podcast, my guest, Wayne Van De Waal, author of the book, The Gospel of Santa Claus, inspired by a true story about St. Nicholas. Wayne's also a dad. Welcome to the podcast, Wayne. Hey, how are you? Good to hear from you and see you, Joe. You know, it's one thing I, I really want to ask, because I like, kind of get to know you a little bit. Like, a couple, I always like answer an intro question. And it's the Christmas season, and Christmas just came about, and I can tell you mine, but I'd like to hear yours. What is a memory of your, uh, when you were a kid growing up, like, you know, you know, Christmas is on the way, you know, something like happened, like a parade or some kind of event. What was yours, memories? Uh, you know, it, it's interesting you ask that because uh, just recently, an uh, early memory came to me when I was five years old, one of my earliest memories. And it was Christmas Eve. I was sick as a dog and throwing up the whole everything. And I remember my mom having it on the radio where they were listening to Santa. You know, Santa's over England, heading to America, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And... Uh, but I, I was just too sick. I couldn't stay up, couldn't listen to it. And so I just went to bed. And that next morning, I woke up uh, healed. I mean, feeling perfect. Like I had never been sick uh, at all. And I just remember thinking, yeah, I was five, so uh, yeah, I didn't know a lot about a lot at the time. But I, but I remember somehow connecting, feeling better, to the manger that they, my mom had in the living room. They had a real nice manger set with real hay. And, and I remember every once in a while just kind of staring at the, the little baby Jesus. And I remember that morning somehow just staring at that little baby and making the connection. That's my first, uh, one of my earliest memories, but then also one of my probably my first memory of, of God or first thought of God, making the connection that, you know, wow, he had something to do with me feeling better that Christmas morning. And what's interesting is why I connect that. It never hit me all the years I was writing my book. I originally was writing the book just for me and my kids. So I was having fun with it, using their names and my name and other people's names that we know. And the character that I assigned to me in the book was a little five-year-old boy named Wayne. Mm -hmm. And I never, I never made that connection. I just wrote it. But then that memory didn't come back to, to me until this last year. So anyway, that's uh, my earliest recollection, or one of my most memorable anyway. That's it's interesting. I mean, mine is the, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Once that's over and you mm -hmm. see Santa Claus come down, it kind of kicks off the season for me and in the sense that it's like, mm -hmm. You know that, you know, when you're a little kid, you know, you believe in Santa Claus and you know he's coming soon. That brings my memory into Christmas time. I guess I didn't really answer your question, but yeah, that would that would for sure definitely be uh, something for me because uh, we did have the parade on every uh, Thanksgiving morning and I'd sit and watch all the, uh, especially loved all the, the balloons, the big giant uh, balloons. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, you're, I, I'm right there with you as far as, uh, gearing up for the season. And there's also, I remember, um, I had a great, great aunt that she was a nun. Uh -huh. And um, <laughs> she always take us every Christmas time. I remember she, to the uh, the church, she was 
the one of the parishes belong to. I don't know how that works when it comes to nuns, but which one they belong to, which one they don't belong to. But we went uh-huh. to the, the church, and we always brought, at the time, I didn't realize this was for um, people who need, but we always brought, they had a manger in the the um, the chapel below, and we used to bring um, underwear or socks and lay them on the manger. Uh-huh. And after that, we'd walk over to the, the local cab company. I was young, and all we have is cabs. We didn't have Uber and Lyft back then. Okay. And, <laughs> And we would give, we bring donuts to the uh, the cab drivers because my grandma lived right in front of them. So uh-huh. it was always nice because um, she was, you know, it was just kind of cool. It was a, which one of my favorite person. I mean, I, I was just thinking about that, about something like that. And I, we can under, you can understand that, relate to that. And it's, yeah. that reminded me of Christmas. And, and I think I just posted a picture today about celery salt. She loved celery salt on her on cause I was thinking about her day for one for Christmas and one because I was going to the cabin look for pepper and I saw celery salt and I brought back because <laughs> she likes celery salt on her hot dogs and mustard. I remember that. And and she played the piano. She always played Christmas music. Wow. So it a lot of memories. I mean and yeah. see that's what Christmas time is me. Memories family family time uh-huh. family and stuff like that. You know Absolutely. It, I know that we um, we can relate to because we're also a divorce. I'm a divorce dad. You're a divorce dad too yourself. And what was that experience like for you for your first like first Christmas being divorced dad? Yeah, yeah, you know uh, that's tough. Uh, you know your whole family's broken apart. Your world's turned upside down. And and that year for me it was 2008. Uh, you know worst year ever for me. And the holiday season rolled around. Uh, I was disillusioned with uh, the materialism of Christmas at that point. And uh, yeah, during that year, I, you know, one of the biggest prayers in the world is uh, to God is help. And so I prayed that a lot during that year. And uh, so I really dug deep in my faith. And um, by that Christmas, uh, I was really praying to God to help me make the season more meaningful for my kids. And myself, and uh, so I started doing some more research as far as what the season was about, uh, the meaning behind Christmas, of course, the birth of Jesus, and uh, who Santa Claus was. And I always knew there was a connection between Santa and Saint Nicholas, but I didn't really know much about it. And so when I researched Saint Nicholas, I was blown away on what an incredible story he had. It was so inspiring. And, uh, so, uh, that learning about St. Nick and sharing his story with my children that first Christmas, uh, really changed, uh, us internally and externally how we celebrated Christmas. And, uh, I sat down with them, I shared with them the story and, uh, yeah, they, they took it in. Yeah, they were eight and 11 at the time. Uh, but they, they still embraced the this, this story as far as uh, who he was and what he was all about. And it, it was so much more than, than just a, a jolly old guy who, who gave presents. So that first Christmas, learning about him, one thing I shared with the kiddos is that I'm not about things, I'm about doing. Uh, and i much rather do than have. And so... Uh, one thing we changed was having uh, fewer presents. You know, one, financially, I was hit hard, so uh, that was minimal. And so uh, 
uh, I changed. Uh, well, we, we just did less presence. What about St. Nicholas? You mentioned about that and the, the history behind that and what, what your kids were Christmas. How, how can how that relate? Well, what I, I just share a little with what I learned about St. Nicholas, and, and that will help uh, understand why we did what we did and, and the changes we made. Yeah, because it was it was a tough time. You know, we were we were hurting. Uh, you know, we we're handling it well. But we had two choices. I had two choices at that point. You know, when you go through a divorce, divorce, get better or get better. And I chose better. So I was digging deeper in my faith, and I was being positive, and I was loving on my kids, uh, and I was seeking out to make the season more meaningful. So what I learned about Saint Nicholas, uh, I'll just share some background real quick. Is he was born in 270 AD, so a couple of centuries after Jesus was around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so still pretty fresh. Christianity was still young. He was born in the country uh, called Lycia at the time, which is today known as Turkey. So mm-hmm. if you met Saint Nicholas today, he'd be Turkish. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was a so they were in a Christian they were a Christian family, but they were in Lycia, which was a Greek culture. And they were ruled by the Roman Empire. Okay. So if you can just imagine what it was like then to be a Christian uh, in a Greek society with Greek gods, ruled by Romans with Roman gods, uh, it was a very diverse uh, and interesting time for sure. And then for his family, Nicholas's family, his parents, he was the only child to be, uh, they were wealthy, just kind of blows my mind that you know, how you, you could be wealthy Christians in a society like that, uh, but they were, and uh, so uh, they raised him as a Christian. His uncle was named Nicholas. He was a bishop in the church as well, and so that was his namesake. So they raised him as a Christian, but then his parents tragically died when he was young uh, in the plague. So they passed away, and so he inherited their fortune. And from there, uh, he felt led by God to give it all away to the poor, the sick, and the suffering. And he felt called by God to devote his life to God. And so he later became a priest and a bishop in the church. Now, at that time, when he was born, the Roman Empire was uh, not real strong. They kept going through emperor after emperor. They kept getting killed or dying. They finally got an emperor called Diocletian who helped restore the Roman Empire back to to their glory, which wasn't really good for the Christians because he would use Christians as a scapegoat. So anytime anything bad went with the the empire, he blamed Christians for not uh, worshiping their gods. And then he got powerful, so powerful that he proclaimed himself as a god. And so he expected everybody to bow and kneel Mm -hmm. uh, to him and worship him. And of course the Christians wouldn't do that. And so he persecuted the Christians. He uh, proclaimed edicts against the Christians. He burned down churches, tortured Christians, especially Christian leaders and uh, imprisoned them. And so uh, St. Nicholas, Nicholas uh, was not immune to any of that. So he was put in prison. He was in prison for five years. So Santa as we know, has mm-hmm. done house, has done time in the big house. <laughs> and uh, so those are just some fascinating things, uh, you know, about his life. And uh, so how that affected 
my children and I at that time was learning about the real Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, and that he was a real person, and he experienced some suffering in his life. Uh, you know, just like going through a divorce is the death of a marriage, mm-hmm. and you go through the grieving process. Here's St. Nicholas. He lost his parents when he was young, so he had to go through the grieving process. So he knows grief and loss and pain mm-hmm. uh, of lo- losing loved ones. And then later on, he became... Uh, he was persecuted for his faith and, and hated, so he knows dislike and persecution and, and rejection. And so, you know, being able to connect with him in that way, in a more personal way than just being a jolly old guy that gives presents, and knowing that he suffered all that, but he overcame it all with his faith, you know, allowing God to work, do a work in his heart and he received God's forgiveness and love and grace and mercy. And then he was able to turn around and extend that to all the people in his life, uh, even his persecutors, extending love and grace and mercy. And also, uh, you know, filling people with joy and hope, peace. And uh, so those were all real inspiring things. So that first Christmas, what uh, we ended up doing, what I tried to portray to my kids is, Let's focus more on, uh, let's become more God-centered, let's become more family-centered, and let's become more other-centered and less self-centered. And so that's what we strove to do. So, you know, we, we remembered that it was Jesus' birthday first and foremost, that uh, God sent uh, Jesus to save us. Mm-hmm. We were, humankind is infected with terminal uh, illness, a deadly disease called sin, and the wages of sin is death, and uh, so here we are infected with this illness, but that's what Christmas is all about, is that God sent his only son to become the sacrificial lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, yes. and so let's focus on that and remember that first and foremost. Then let's become more family-centered, so we started doing more family-oriented activities more than ever before, you know, the the cuddling, watching Christmas shows, watching movies, doing some crafts, making ornaments, baking together, and eating together, and going out to parades and festivals and church functions and uh, school Christmas plays and all kinds of stuff. Anything we could find in the uh, at home or, or in in our area, you know, to do that was family oriented and fun. And added meaning, just like, you know, you talked about some of your memories with your, your grandma. And uh, so God-centered, uh, family-centered, and then other-centered. So we would do Operation Shoebox mm-hmm. uh, and fill the shoeboxes, a few shoeboxes for we'd each get one and go shopping and fill it up with goodies and school supplies and all kinds of fun stuff. And, and uh, you know, we'd collect all, all the stuff that we wanted to give away, you know, that we don't use, haven't used in the past year, and go do that as a donation. Uh, And then my kids at that point were 8 and 11, so they're already past the believing in Santa Claus stage. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I shared with them, it's it's like a rite of passage. Okay, once you discover Santa isn't real, then we become Santa. And so it's their turn to become Santa to other people and to do fun things for other people, to give gifts, and, and to do it in secret. So leaving cookies 
on other people's doors, on the neighbor's doors, or, or uh, shoveling someone's driveway, or raking some leaves, or, or doing something. And so, uh, so that's how things changed uh, a big way for that for us that first Christmas and thereafter. Uh, we're, those were uh, uh, that's where we placed our focus. It sounds like it helped you, especially you getting through the tough times. I mean, divorce can be um, very tough and emotionally draining. And to focus yes. on something positive, especially the kids at Christmas, doing the stuff you did, and you're also your faith and believing in the God and stuff like that, it helped you through. I know as a dad myself, I went through it, and my first Christmas okay. was, I didn't have my son my first Christmas, and I was, it was not a fun experience. So I will leave it at that. I won't go into depth with mm-hmm. it. It wasn't a fun experience. Yes. But um, doing the positive things, I think, helps healing. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's so easy to, uh, you know, have a pity party and, and, and feel sorry for ourselves. And, and so that's why it's so important to, to engage. Uh, you know, it's a long time is good. It's, time, it's important to have that time to reflect and, and, and rethink things and, and think about how we do things different in the future. And, and learn from our experiences for sure, but it, but it's important to have that go out and have that fellowship with friends, with family, and and get out of ourselves and and be there for other people. Uh, that's part of the grieving process. You know, the grieving. Yeah, you, know, you have shock, denial, anger, sadness, and then eventually you get to acceptance. But but for me, there's another step right after all that, and it's service. You know, once you've you've healed and, and part of your healing is getting out of yourself and, and serving others and touching others and blessing others and uh, it can only help pull you, pull us out of uh, you know the, the sadness and, and uh, pity party that we can find ourselves in well interesting I mean, i'm thinking about you talking about that and i'm thinking about thanks thank nicholas yeah. well, what are some like two things that you learned by all the research you've done and there's a whole book full of it <laughs> uh you know, just let me just say real quick, just with the book, the book was really a part of my healing process. Uh, you know, one, one thing that is very therapeutic is to journal for people to, to get put down on paper, get out of their, get it out of their head, whatever they're mulling over or their pain or, or whatever they're dealing with and, and get it out of their head and on paper. There's some therapeutic about journaling. And so here I am, uh, I'm a visual person, so as I was learning about St. Nicholas, it, the story actually started forming in my head as a movie. Mm-hmm. And I can't go out and make a movie, uh, <laughs> but I can write the scenes down. And so I just started writing the scenes down as, as I thought of them. So I just started the process of writing the book over seven years. And, and over those seven years, I was going through a healing process. And so there's a lot of you know thing, little things that I can see in the book that maybe the reader might not might might not know what's going on, but they'll see it in Nicholas's life or in one of the characters' lives that they were going through. Maybe an example is money. Mm-hmm. So money became tighter for me, going from two incomes to one income. And so one thing with Nicholas being a Christian and and tithing and being generous to others, you know, that impacted me. Uh, I was already tithing at that point as a Christian, but but it became even more powerful and significant to realize why I'm tithing and why God wants us to tithe. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's kind of a heart check, you know, to see when I write that check every month, 
you know, where's my heart as far as money goes? Am I being greedy and, and self-serving or, or am I recognizing that, you know, it's really God's money ultimately and that I'm to use it for good mm-hmm. and not for self selfish purposes. And of course he wants us to, he, he wants to bless us and, and, you know, have a good time. Uh, but he wants us to be wise stewards of money. And so that's something, you know, learning about Nicholas and recognizing where he's at. And as far as materialism, uh, it's ironic. You know, here he chose, here he was wealthy and chose to give it all away and do away with uh, wealth and materialism. And here, you know, if he were here today, he'd be shocked that his image is portrayed as this kind of the center of materialism, and uh, which is sad. And so I think that's part of what I want to do in the book. Nothing wrong with presence and giving. You know, it's, it's it's a trait of God. God gave us the greatest gift of all, and and we can't help when God gives us gifts. We want to share those gifts with others, but it's just take one is taken to the extreme. So anyway, just finances, money, and. Uh, being a wise steward was one was one was one lesson that really impacted me, and uh, really God blessed me through that. You know, through tithing and being generous, even when times were tough for me, uh, He blessed me to where uh, you know over the years, you know, I got raises at, at my job and and uh, cars paid off, and you know, different things to where I'm financially stable. And uh, well off, you know, today, and so thankful for that. And another lesson, another thing I got out of the learning about Saint Nicholas's life is, is just his devotion to God, and how he really practiced God's presence. That it wasn't just a go to church on uh, Sunday and punch my time clock in that I did my hour on Sunday and, and then didn't think about God after that. Uh, it was, it was, he, God was always with him and he was always seeking God. It was a daily thing, just like the Jews in the desert after uh, God freed them from Egypt and they were wandering out in the desert and he gave uh, them manna to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, manna came from uh, the sky, but he didn't give them a month's supply or... What is manna? Manna was, I'm trying to remember, it was like a, a, like a milky bread substance mm-hmm. that, that they would wake up the next morning and it would just be everywhere and they would collect it and eat it. Mm-hmm. So the point with all that is that he counted on God. They had expectations of God. They sought God out daily for their daily bread or daily manna. It, it, he didn't just give it to them for a week or a month. And, uh, and then they would just not worry about it, about it and not engage with him and not think twice about him, you know, until they needed more manna. It was a daily thing. And uh, so a daily relationship. And so to me, that's uh, something you know, I learned from Nicholas is that just like any relationship, you know, in a marriage, if you know, don't talk to a person except once a week, it's not going to be much of a marriage no. uh, or a relationship. And so if we're going to be, have a relationship with God, like Nicholas did, you know, it's a daily thing. It's an hourly thing. You know, uh, we, God should be, God's with us all the time. Uh, Jesus was called Emmanuel uh, on Christmas, which means God with us. 
And so that was the whole point that when Jesus came, he came to reconcile us back to God. And God is with us all the time through Jesus. And so to build and foster that relationship, that personal relationship with God was huge for me. And uh, yeah, I was doing it to a certain extent up to that time. But then, you know, Nicholas's life really impacted me that way to really dig deeper, just really press into to the presence of God daily, meditating on his word, the Bible, you know, words or thoughts expressed. And so here we have God's word, the Bible. Mm-hmm. So these are God's thoughts expressed in the Bible. And so to really hunger and thirst for his word and his truth, you know, it was just powerful. I mean, the, the Bible is the owner's manual to life. And and so uh, it just gave so much more purpose and meaning and direction for me. Well, then what an interesting question, because you're saying, Nicholas, that's one, that's the, um, the version we're talking about, um, Santa Claus. But it, it seems like everybody has a different version of him, too. I don't know if you re- if passed that when you research, when you're researching for the book. There's many different versions, and I'm wondering how how do you get the red suit? Did you figure that out through your research? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, it, historically, it's interesting because uh, again, he was a bishop in the church, mm-hmm. and the bishop robe was red, and uh, I think it is still today. But historically, it was a red robe, and so you know, over the centuries, for that to hold on to, you know, modern days, pretty, pretty amazing. You know, of course, he eventually got pants, and that's something I touch on in the, in the book. Mm-hmm. It's a fun little thing that one of the fun traditions uh, I added to the book. And I didn't, I didn't do away with anything. Uh, someone, it's, it was great. I got an email today from a woman. I don't know her, uh, but she sent an email. She said, you know what? I love Santa Claus, I always have, and I love Jesus, and I always have. And Wayne, in your book, you brought the two together so beautifully. I love it, is what she said. And I, that, that just really touched me, because that's what I tried to do. I didn't do away with the traditions of Santa Claus mm-hmm. uh, that we celebrate today, because a lot of families will still uh, keep that tradition uh, through Christmas Eve. And so I didn't do away with any of that, but I just added more meaning to it uh, by connecting Jesus with Santa Claus or St. Nicholas and what the holiday was all about. And so, uh, so that's one of the fun things I did was, you know, con- how, he trans- how he morphed from a red robe to red pants. And, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, so historically he had a red robe. Uh, the bishop's robe, and uh, somehow in the 18th century, when Santa Claus really morphed here in America during that century, starting with Washington Irving out of New York in uh, 1809, and he wrote the history of New York, and and Santa, uh, he wrote some images of Santa, and Lieutenant Moore in 1823 wrote A Visit from St. Nicholas, we know that today is Twas the Night Before Christmas, but the original title is A Visit from St. Nicholas. He added even more imagery uh, to Santa Claus. And then by the 1880s, a political cartoonist named Thomas Nast took some of their uh, characteristics and added it more to it uh, to 
really that's who the Santa that we know today as far as in the American culture goes. Well, it's one thing to this time. I'd like to talk a little bit about your book. I mean, it has different chapters. Um, obviously, it's a book. It has different chapters. <laughs> but one thing I one thing I liked, like the, I'm, I'm chapter eight, right of the confirmation. And let me get to the back of the book here. Most like that was uh, the other night's devotion, I think. And it has a devotion. Yeah. It gives a whole like like couple a few paragraphs of devotion, and then I I like how you did that and had the question of consider. I mean. And then you got a couple, maybe a few Bible verses. That's a pretty interesting way after telling a story or a, a, a chapter and then a, a question that somebody can ponder on. I really like how you did that. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I just wrote it out as a novel. When I was going through the editing process, I had one of my pastors read it. And, and he said, you know what, Wayne, I, I would like this. I'd like to see you do this like as devotions, you know, where I could read it with my grandkids every night. And, you know, before Christmas. And so uh, I love that idea. So what I ended up doing is splitting the book up into 30 chapters to be read the 30 days before Christmas. It's a historical novel. It can be read any time of year. But if somebody chooses to read it before the holidays, they could read it for the 30 days before Christmas and uh, as a devotion each night. And so it wasn't until uh, right before I was going to publishing uh, this last year that uh, I felt God put it on my heart to, to do devotions, uh, to actual do actual devotions, not just leave the chapters as devotions, but to have uh, some questions at the end and uh, some scripture and, and a little prayer to help go deeper with the content of that chapter. And so I went back and I'd read a chapter and I'd just say, you know, God, what are you speaking to me about? What, what's... What could I learn from this? And so uh, that was pretty much me just going through and just God showing me what he's teaching me or what he had taught me over those years of writing. Uh, so, you know, as we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. you know, how it affected me or how it impacted me it was really, a, uh, it took me seven years to write and it was seven year process. So a lot of those devotion, end of chapter devotions were what God what was working on me at that time uh as far as a life lesson goes that's not very interesting i mean i can relate to that with the podcast and that's how that's what my my recovery through the divorce process is doing this podcast really really what it is Mm -hmm. so you're writing the book me doing the podcast um and the process and and going through the grieving process and all the steps giving you through divorce absolutely uh wrapping up i want to give final thoughts anybody could leave about christmas um somebody can leave about (laughs) christmas (laughs) I'm really feeling this uh, holiday season, and, and I'm so thankful for is really thankfulness. I'm just so thankful that Thanksgiving comes a month before Christmas because thankfulness is so powerful. Uh, it, it really helps us get our head and our heart together and uh, in the right place as far as just uh, really helps give us rose-colored glasses when you think about it. And I, I like to call it practicing thanks living. Mm-hmm. Uh, that when you when you're living thankfully and just trying to find as many things to be thankful for every day, man, it just just changes the perspective on your outlook on life, and uh, really just kind of softens. Uh, if you're walking around with a chip on your shoulder or, or feeling edgy, when you practice thankfulness. Uh, it really just takes the edge off, 
and to to have uh, Thanksgiving come into open the doorway into uh, the Christmas season and to go through December with thankful hearts as much as we can. And uh, you know, this is I, I'm speaking this to you. I'm really talking about what where I'm at and what I'm going through is even more than ever practicing thankfulness and I mean, even little things. Just silly things like a piece of chocolate or, or someone held a door open for me or, you know, just there's so many little things that you can think of. You could constantly go through the day being thankful. And when we, we do that, that's what I've been practicing over this last week. And it really just brings joy. I mean, I don't, I don't know how else to say it. You know, I, I just feel more jolly and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and so I guess that's what I want to just want to share with everyone else is this, this season just really practice thanks living more than ever. If there's families out there, do it do it as a family and do it with your family. See how many things you can think of sitting around the dinner table to be thankful for. Just keep going around and around and, and even little things. It doesn't have to be, you know, thankful for uh, uh, you know, a house or whatever. It can be but that's a challenge. Just practice thanks living and uh, I think it'll make all our seasons brighter. Uh, make the Christmas season brighter for all of us. All the links will be in the show notes. Um, Wayne, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Joe, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe to the newsletter to receive updates of the show and helpful and useful tips. This has been a production of Foley 42 Media.